This podcast features discussions about finance and money, which are general in nature. This means that it has been prepared without taking into account your specific objectives and financial needs. We suggest that before acting on this information, you seek out professional advice. Hey folks, welcome along to another episode of Looking Under the Hood, the Money Mechanics podcast where we are unpacking the money stuff. I've got Evram Turner with me today and Ev, I guess you've done a bit of everything. You've been an investment banker, uh, you've been a mortgage broker, you're, well we just learned that you've had a, a really interesting job when you first started working and we'll talk about that in a moment, but great to have you here. Thank you, it's so great to be here. Ev, we've been asking all our guests about an early happy money memory. So have you got an early happy money memory that you're happy to share? Well, we were talking just prior to recording about my working experience. And I was saying I was a good Turkish girl and I worked in my dad's kebab shop for free, probably for the early teenage years. But my first ever proper job was working as those lovely people that greet you when you walk into David Jones or Maya and spray you with perfume. And it was such a thrill to be, firstly, not working in front of kebabs anymore, but secondly, that first paycheck, that independence that I felt, that freedom, and just that ability to go and buy the fancy shoes that I'd had my eyes on for a long time. That was an amazing experience with that first paycheck. And I definitely got those shoes. I love it. Do you remember what shoes they were? They were from Malini. I don't even know if Malini is around anymore, but they made the best shoes. I certainly couldn't walk in those shoes anymore either because they were about six inches high. I love it. I love that whole story, like the work ethic and and starting in the family business and having that lived experience as well, I think, of growing up in that environment. You probably didn't know any different, but yeah, it probably did teach you a lot about work and, and hard work as well, which is great. Yeah, and I can still make a mean kebab. Ev, today we're, we're going to be talking about cost of living. Probably kebabs are a good place to start, e- eating at home, getting a good family meal in. We're seeing, obviously, interest rates were at this really low level that we're probably never going to see again in, in our lifetime. We've seen cost of living is going up, but now we're seeing interest rates get higher again and, and back to probably where they have been as longer term averages. So I wanted to have a chat to you about how people can be on the front foot with their interest rates, I guess, how they can talk to their lending providers or engage someone like yourself that can help with the the strategy and just get some of your insights today. It's crazy. The trajectory of the rate rises, it's really weird because the government has been talking about it, the RBA has been talking about it, but I don't think it really hit until it actually happened. So we had, you know, 0.1% as our cash rate, it's now at 3.35%. And depending on who you follow or what economists you follow, it's expected to increase even more to between 3.85% to 4.1%. So we've still potentially got a 75 basis point increase to go. So it's been a, a huge, huge rise. And unfortunately, a lot of us are still on fixed rates. And Just in 2023 alone, we've got $370 billion worth of fixed rates coming off. So these guys that would have, you know, had an average rate of about 1.94% two years ago when they locked it in, 
are now going to be coming into rates that are going to be five and a half plus, more than doubling of their interest expense. It's crazy when you think about it and how do you budget for it and how do you deal with it? And that, that's, I guess, the, the media has been talking heaps about that that fiscal cliff. And I, I, I don't know, I feel like it's been uh, sort of hummed around for a while, but it's actually sort of starting to eventuate, as you say. Exactly. And I mean, the latest inflation rate was 7.8%. But I think what most people don't realise is that this isn't being driven by wages growth. It's been driven by business profits. I mean, we just saw Qantas and Woolies and Coles come out with their huge soaring profits. So, it's not necessarily from us making more, more money or our wages increasing. So, we're kind of bearing the brunt of it from both sides. We've got obviously interest rates and our interest expense increasing. But then on the other side, I don't know if you've been to to Coles lately, but it's unbelievable how much just the staples have gone up in price and then fuel as well on top of that and our utilities on top of that. So, it's not been a, a fun ride for the average Aussie, that's for sure. But look, let's focus on the positive. There are things hmm. that we can do and there's a number of strategies that are available to to people that are really starting to feel the pinch. And they're really simple strategies too. Obviously, the first one is if you're not utilising an offset account, and most of us will have an offset account that's attached to our loan, do it. Because what that means is you're getting all of your salary and all of your savings being linked or put into a bank account that's directly linked to your loan. And that will reduce your loan balance. So you're automatically paying less in interest. And I mean, that's exactly what we want. So that's a really simple strategy. If you're not already looking at that or using that, see if there's a way that you can transfer all of your salary and your savings into that offset account and automatically reduce that loan balance that way. The other thing is that it's interesting, the offset account, if you're then also using it as your bank account, is a fantastic way to have a look at your spending. And if you haven't been budgeting already, this is probably the perfect time to start really analysing what your outgoings are and where you can make some savings regarding that as well. Ev, just to jump in there, we did a podcast with Ara Jensen and she interviewed me about how I talk about the cash flow piece. So there's a great resource there for people to go on and listen to that episode. But yeah, really echo, I think, getting that cash flow plan, doing that nasty, the B word, the budget, but just having a framework around what you're spending and, and what's happening in the background. Just to, to step back onto the the offset account, I guess it, there's offsets, there's redraws. Just to explain those to, to listeners, because people often get confused or mixed up with the two. They go, oh, yeah, yeah, we've got an offset account already. And when you, you dig a bit deeper or you unpack it a bit further, it's actually a redraw facility that the bank offers. So do you want to explain a little bit how, how both of those features or functions might work and, and what the difference might be? Most of the lending products now will have an offset and a redraw at the same time. So you'll have both attached to your loan. Redraw, the best way to describe it is basically like forced savings. So you will be able to put funds into a redraw account, but unlike with an offset account where you can actually have, say, a credit card attached to it where you can make payments out of it, with a redraw, you can't. So if you are someone that has an issue with expensive, a love for expensive shoes, redraw is probably the better way to go about 
saving more on your interest rather than and structuring rather than than just your offset account. An offset account basically is just like a bank account that's attached to your loan. It's a very, very simple and easy facility to use. And like I said, it just gives you that ability to be able to see exactly what's going in and what's going out. But the more that you can have in either means the lower the balance of your loan. So if you say had a $500,000 loan and you had 400,000, sorry, 100,000 in your redraw or your offset account, that would mean that your loan balance would be $400,000. So you're paying interest on that $400,000 portion. And again, for people who might have savings for for holidays or school fees or other elements in their, their shoes, the Jimmy Choo's, you might have a separate offset account for uh, for those things. And talking to someone like a mortgage broker can actually help you structure that better because different banks do different things, don't they, Ev? They don't necessarily all allow you to have five different offset accounts. They may only allow you to have one offset account, whereas some banks may actually give you more functionality around the number of accounts or offset accounts that you can have. I I love having envelopes around things. Yeah, exactly right. Some will offer up to 20 and some of the more basic options will only have one. And it's also a case of you you get what you pay for. So the ones that do offer more of the bells and whistles, you may be paying a higher interest rate for those or higher annual fees. So just keep that in mind, particularly now that, you know, a lot of clients are coming to refinance. There's some of the things that we're really looking at in terms of, yeah, whether or not it's going to have a big impact on on the overall cost. And on that, so with with interest rates, we've got the Reserve Bank at set interest rates at the the three point, would you say three point three five at the at the moment? We might go up again. Mm-hmm. But how does that then come when people are now looking at their their mortgage rates, and so they might go, "Oh yes, I've got a five point one percent mortgage rate." There's a big differential between that three point three five and the the five point one percent that they might be paying. So how does that come about? Well, it basically depends on the profits that the banks are looking to make. So. We have seen quite a range in terms of the rates at the moment. Normally, your the big banks, which most people have their relationships with, their rates will be slightly higher. And what we're seeing at the moment is those intermediary uh, lenders being quite sharp in terms of their rates. So, I think in terms of finding the best rate, again, it, it's not always going to be rate-driven. It also will be dependent on serviceability who we can get the approval with. So there, there's a lot of factors that are involved in there, but I think it's it, it's really good. And that the whole point of going to a mortgage broker is that, you know, they are dealing sometimes with 20 plus lenders on their panel and they are able to analyse all of the different options that are available for clients as well. So, yeah, the other thing to keep in mind is that if you are coming off a fixed rate, what we're noticing is that the lenders are putting you on to quite high variable rates, always, always fantastic idea to talk to them to see if you can get them to better the rate that they're putting you onto. But really the best option at the moment is when you do come off that fixed rate to have a look at refinance options. Because the other thing that we're seeing in the market at the moment is lots and lots of cashback offers, sometimes up to five or $6,000 worth, which can can be the, the interest cost for a year for some families. And they're putting you onto these introductory rates because you're a new client. So it's definitely worth reviewing and having a look if you are coming off those fixed loans. Mm. 
And being on the front foot, I think, as you say, if you know your your fixed rate is about to come off, don't wait until the the month that's about to happen. You really want to be having having a look around, what, probably about four to six weeks prior so that you've really got all your options on the table in front of you. Is that, is that a good time frame, do you think, Ev? Absolutely right. And I mean, the volume of refinances at the moment is huge. So, we're seeing that sometimes it can take the banks up to three weeks to go through applications. And if you've only got three weeks until your loan expires and they're putting you onto a new rate of 7.2%, that's still going to hurt. So, yeah, it's definitely worthwhile doing it at least four to six weeks prior to your loan expiring because it does take a, a little bit of time for us to collate the information and also see which lenders serviceability is the big factor here now at the moment. So which of the lenders we can get serviceability across the line with as well. And when you say that, so for people listening, serviceability is when banks assess you. And so they'll basically look at where you work, what your income is, security of income. And and if, does that, that has bearing on interest rate as well, doesn't it? So if, if people who might have more ad hoc income or, or business income that might be a bit lumpier, banks will look at that differently. And so interest rates will be applied based on their risk. And I guess people can't see me uh, putting my hands and waving them around at the moment, but that perception of risk, I guess, that the bank is then carrying for each customer. Exactly right. And that definitely comes into play when they're assessing clients that are self-employed, clients that are working part-time or on a casual basis. So, all of these things come into play. Clients that are in their probation period. And there's answers to all of these. There's answers to all of these scenarios and there's different lenders that'll be able to assist in all of these different scenarios. It's just important to do some research or come and talk to someone that that's going to be able to help. Yeah. And and when you are shopping around, so is it something that can be done? Again, I, I'm a big advocate for mortgage brokers. I, I think people don't often see the, the work that goes on in the background uh, when mortgage brokers are trying to uh, align the, the process. But uh, are there other sort of resources that you suggest people go to if, they're, if they're, they don't want to go and speak to a mortgage broker, for instance? Are there other things they can think about? I think the first point of call is definitely your existing lender. So have a chat to them, see if you can play hardball. I mean, that's what I um, tell a lot of our clients. The best thing that I do and the best thing that I, I think my best skill is the ability to haggle. So if you're able to do that on your own, have a chat with your existing lender and, and see what you can get out of them. I think that in terms of other resources, there are so many comparison websites available as well. So you can go online, put in your details and they'll spit out some information in terms of what's available. What those sites don't tell you though is whether or not that particular lender will even look at you as a potential client if, for instance, you haven't been working for 12 months or there's a break in your employment or you know you may be on maternity leave for instance whether or not they'll even consider you so all of these different scenarios based on your current circumstances will only really be considered if you're talking to someone either a mortgage broker that's linked to the bank that you're with or an external one or an independent one to be able to get yeah, really understand and see whether or not you'll be approved. Yeah, that art form in the background that mortgage brokers get to do in weaving together. What what areas of postcoding that you're refinancing? Who's the humans that I'm actually working with? What what do they do for work? What's their their income situation? What are they spending? All those sort of things are, are coming together. With rate rises, with the what's happening in the market at the moment, how has that impacted, I guess, your industry, but also your work as a broker? Like what, what's happening in that space? Well, it's really interesting. I mean, brokers are very, very busy at the moment, really run off our heels because 
we are seeing a lot of clients that are starting to feel a little bit of mortgage stress, which is a really difficult thing for a lot of clients, particularly when they realize that they may not be able to pay all of their bills or there's so many other different things that can that can impact their ability to and their their living standards. So we are seeing a lot of increase in that. And that can be an emotional, it's tough emotionally when you hear your clients going through hardship. So we do try and go through other options that they can look at in terms of how they can reduce their mortgage stress. So for instance, you know, we might be able to stretch out their loan term. If they're on a 20-year loan term, if you stretch that out to 30 years, that'll impact your monthly interest payments now. Obviously, the flip side is that you're going to be paying more interest over the loan term. But if you are feeling that stress right now and you, you need some kind of relief, that's one option. The other things are, for instance, switching to interest-only payments. Basically, that means that rather than paying both the principal and interest portion of your loan, you're just paying the interest portion, which again, will reduce your monthly payments. But again, that means that you know it's adding to the overall cost over the life of the term. But again, if it's short-term respite that is needed, then that's another option that we can utilise. And then you can always request a pause as well. So some banks are really great in terms of being able to provide maybe a six-month pause if there's a job loss or accident or illness that's really impacting the family. So we can also assist in, in those cases. But the other things that people can do that they don't realise is that their home is actually an asset that can produce an income as well. So I had one friend, a very, very good friend that lives in Melbourne, have a friend, should say, and one of the things that she did was rent out one of her rooms to an international student. So there are ways that you can utilise your asset and make that income, increase that income that you're making from it. For instance, if you have a garage, you could rent that out as a storage unit to someone and bring in that additional funds or just take in a lodger. So there, there are other options that clients can basically yeah use i love that evan and again our house is often that that big lazy asset we, we build up equity in it we get lifestyle value out of it and, and hopefully lots of joy and, and family memories out of it but it doesn't necessarily generate an income for us so a great tip there i think on trying to bolster that up a little bit and, and get a, an income generated uh, in, in the background yeah for sure for sure the other thing is that i think with australians we have this fixation with home ownership and what it means and we base so much of our emotional well-being on bricks and mortar and I and of course we all you know want to be a homeowner want to raise our families there whatever it might be but sometimes we need to realize that you know if you are in a situation where it is impacting your well-being it is impacting your financial state if it means that you need to potentially sell your house it's not the end of the world. And we saw this happen. Uh, I mean, I've been through a few things, GFC, but I mean, we saw this happen in the early 90s where interest rates were quite high. And and I remember a lot of family friends that were put in that position and had to sell their family home. It didn't mean that they weren't able to purchase something down the track or something more affordable that they they could manage. But I think we need to take that stigma away of of feeling like, you know, if that's the case and that needs to be done, then, you know, it's a huge failure. That's not the case. It's just that, you know, the RBA told us that we shouldn't be expecting rate rises till 2024 and that's not what's happened and that's not anybody else's fault. You know, that's not the individual's fault that that's happened. So, I think that's something to consider. At the moment, you know, I know the 
they're saying the property market has come off by 10, 15%. But, you know, auction clearance rates just this weekend were 70% in New South Wales. So if that is the worst case scenario, then, you know, it's not the end of the world. That's such great insight and, and advice, Ev, I think. We do. We get caught up in the societal pressures, the pressures of the system that we're born into and keeping up with other people. I think it's always about play your game, play your your framework, make sure that you're doing the stuff that actually is important to you. And if you do get tripped up or if there are things that, that start to mean that you can't do the things that everybody else is doing, just reset, take stock, but be on the front foot with it uh, as well. But if you're uh, feeling the stress and the pressure of it, go and have a chat to your bank, have a chat to a mortgage broker. But if you do need to, adjust what you're doing, see if there's other options that you can actually look to to balance out uh, your, your cost of living as well on that. Exactly. Front. No more um, fancy meals. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. I have become the most amazing chef at home thanks to COVID and now rate rises. Oh, it is, it's fab. The eat from the pantry is such a good uh, and I think underutilized skill at the end of the day. You can uh, make some pretty amazing stuff even just from the, the, the pantry stock. So, uh, yeah, I love it. If we do keep these episodes short and sweet and I'll add your contact details as well as some of those resources that you've mentioned to the show notes. But uh, I guess any parting thoughts or, or comments before we wrap up today? I just want to say that we are here to help. So if you are worried, if you're stressed, even if you just want to have a a general chit chat about your current position reach out it could be to your financial planner it could be to a broker it could be to your bank but talk it out talk it out and there's lots of people that are here to help and want to help i love that i think that's a, a perfect uh, way to wrap definitely have those conversations if you are feeling a bit of the the pressure take stock look at your cash flow but most importantly just have the conversation so again speak early to your bank speak early to to brokers or get people on your team to help with the the process and again enjoy the journey that is life and uh, and is your money and so yeah thanks for listening today hope you've enjoyed the episode and if you have please uh, give us a rating and share this episode with your friends we'll see you next time Thank you.